prophet Zechariah, chapter 12. That is going to be on page 799, if you have the blue pew Bible in front of you. Page 799. Sermon text today is going to be Zechariah, chapter 12, verses 10 through chapter 13, verse 1. Zechariah 12, 10 through 13, 1. When you find your place in your Bible, if you'll please stand with me as I read for us God's word. This is the word of the Lord. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, on him whom, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child who weeps bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. On that day, the morning in Jerusalem will be as great as the morning for Hadad Raman in the plain of Megiddo. The land shall mourn, each family by itself, the family of the house of David by itself, and their wives by themselves, the family of the house of Nathan by itself, and their wives by themselves, the family of the house of Levi by itself, and their wives by themselves, the family of the Shimeites by, the, by itself, and their wives by themselves, and all the families that are left, each by itself, and their wives by themselves. On that day, there shall be a fountain opened for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanness. You may be seated. just so happens that last year on this day I was preaching from John 19, which I read for us at the beginning of this, of this worship service. The Apostle John was an eyewitness and an active participant in the events that we commemorate today. He was there at the Last Supper. He was there when Jesus went to Gethsemane. He was there when Jesus was arrested. John stood at the foot of the cross with Jesus' own mother by his side, being instructed to take her into his home after he had died. He was there, and he heard with his own ears when Jesus cried out, it is finished. He was there when Jesus bowed his head in death. And he was there when a Roman soldier, with his spear, pierced Jesus' side, right underneath his heart, and he saw a flow of blood and water come rushing out. John understood what he was seeing might have been a little while after he went down to pen his gospel, but he recalled that moment when he saw water and blood flow out of Jesus' side. And he wrote, these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. They will look on him whom they have pierced. He knew that his crucified Lord was here to fulfill this passage. He knew that his Lord riding on a donkey into Jerusalem came to fulfill Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. But he also came to fulfill what Zechariah wrote in chapter 12, verse 10, through chapter 13, verse 1, through his brutal execution. We're going to look at pierced flesh, mourning death, the pouring out of grace, and the cleansing of sin all of which Zechariah saw, concerning the one who was pierced. The focal point of this passage, just as the focal point of, that John points out in this passage, is that word in verse 10, pierced. 
But when we read all of, all of Zechariah, we see so much of what's going on here. And I want to point out these two actors in this scene. David says, or Zechariah says, I will pour out on the house of David and in the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him. So who is it that did the piercing? It was the house of David. It was the inhabitants of Jerusalem. If you look at basically all of Zechariah 12 through 14, the subject is the house of David, the people of Jerusalem. In the previous section in chapter 12, Jerusalem is celebrating their salvation, celebrating a great victory and battle that the Lord had won on their behalf. But they did not know that the next words out of Zechariah's mouth would describe a gruesome act that they had committed. They did the piercing, but who exactly did they pierce? The text reads, When they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him. Now, you don't have to be an English major to point out that there are two different pronouns there. There's the first person pronoun of me and the third person pronoun him. This isn't a typo. Zechariah didn't have a slip of the tongue. Zechariah knew exactly what the Lord told him to say. So who is me? Who is the one who identifies himself as me? It's none other than Yahweh himself. Yahweh is the one speaking here. He is the one who has poured out the spirit of grace and of pleas for mercy on the people of Jerusalem. And he says, they have pierced me. But then, Yahweh points to someone other than him. They will look on him, the one whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him. So how can Yahweh be pierced and someone else than Yahweh also be pierced in this one singular act? The easiest explanation is to say that the one who was pierced had such a dear and close relationship to Yahweh that whatever happened to him happened to Yahweh. The piercing of this subject's flesh figuratively pierced Yahweh's heart. And so Yahweh is feeling this pain of this one that he's so associated with so closely that this subject's pain is Yahweh's pain. He's the apple of Yahweh's eye. That's the easy underway, under, way to understand it, and that is definitely true. Because we know that the association, this dear association that the one who was pierced had with Yahweh was being his one and only son. On this side of the cross, we know that the one who was pierced was the son of God, the one and only son his only begotten Son, his beloved Son, in whom he is well pleased. It was the Son of God who was mocked, arrested, beaten, crucified, died, and finally pierced. But on this side of the cross, we also know more. It was not just the Son of God, but it was God the Son, co-eternal and co-equal with God the Father. Jesus Christ was Yahweh in the flesh, 
It was Jesus Christ who, being in the very form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. It was God the Son who was pierced. It was he who was pierced for our transgressions. It was he who was pierced by his own Jewish kinsmen. Because he came into his own, and they did not receive him, but they crucified him. Yet Zechariah points out that some actually in turn mourn his death. We're looking at the, now the mourning of his death. And the truth is the vast majority of this passage describes the mourning that is going on in Jerusalem because of this person who is pierced. Zechariah describes their mourning. They are mourning as if they have no future anymore. He describes them as weeping over the death of an only child or the death of a firstborn. Weeping over an only child means that your house is cut off. You're done. Your family tree ends with this dead person who doesn't have any children. And you have no other children after him. And they're mourning over the firstborn, the one who would inherit the father's property, his land. The heir is gone. They don't have a future anymore. They killed their future because they killed their king. They're actually mourning like the death of a king. They're mourning the death of a righteous king. You might have wondered why Zechariah says this. On that day, the mourning in Jerusalem will be as great as the mourning of Hadad Rahman in the plain of Megiddo. That actually recalls a very tragic day in the life of the people of Israel a couple hundred years earlier. This is referring to the death of King Josiah. He was the last righteous king of Judah, the last righteous son of David to sit on his throne before the Judites were thrown into exile. He was known as the reformer. He tore down the pagan sites in Judah. He purged the land of pagan priests. He found the book of Moses and read it in the hearing of all the people, and he reinstituted the Passover. This was a righteous king. This was a king who was zealous for the Lord. But he went out to fight a war against the king of Egypt, and he didn't come back. Well, he didn't come back alive. He was shot by an archer, and they brought his corpse back to Jerusalem in his chariot. And Second Chronicles chapter 35, verse 24, says that all Judah and Jerusalem mourned for Josiah because he was killed by the king of Egypt in the plain of Megiddo. So the people of Israel again, are mourning the death of a righteous king. They are mourning the Son of God crucified. Yet their mourning was actually very private, yet very genuine. And Zechariah repeats that husbands and wives are all mourning, separately, actually. And from the highest of society to the lowest of society, King David and his family, they're mourning. 
the Levitical priests and their families, they're mourning. Everybody is mourning. And they're mourning in the privacy of their own home. See, back then, they would actually hire people to cry at funerals. And the louder they cried, the more beloved the departed actually seemed. But we're not seeing public mourning here. We're seeing very private mourning. When you cry on your bed behind a closed door, that's genuine. Those are true tears. No one manipulated them out of you. No one forced them out of you. You are sad. And these people, in their heart of hearts, are mourning the death of their king. See, perhaps it was fitting that after Jesus was crucified on Friday, when the sun went down, the Sabbath started. They went home. And they had to stay home, essentially, for 24 hours. They had to stay there and ponder and ruminate on what just happened. They had to sit there and wonder why this man who was regarded as a prophet, some people thought he was a true prophet, some people thought that he was a false prophet, had such an uproar in the city made about him. Why he had to be dragged in front of Pontius Pilate to decide a case that to him seemed so far below his pay grade that he just wanted to be done with it. Why was this man brutally killed in a public spectacle, being high and lifted up for the world to gawk at? How? Why? How would an onlooker describe these events to himself or herself after witnessing them? See, some people were probably very satisfied with the results of the day. But there were some who mourned. There were some who saw that the one that they actually had their hope in, the the one that was their Messiah, was pierced. And they were lamenting his death. But the very fact that they were mourning and lamenting the death of their Savior shows that they were a recipient of grace being poured out on them from God above. Why do they mourn and weep so bitterly? The Lord says, because I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn. Their mourning is a direct result from grace. Because their mourning is part and parcel with their repentance. They saw their shame. They saw one who knew no sin being treated as as if he was the worst of sinners. When we look at the cross, we ought to feel the same thing. We ought to feel grief over our sin. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ was not just some isolated incident that happened 2,000 years ago. It was not just some local brouhaha over a prophet Good Friday happened because we are sinners. Because Good Friday happened to pay for our sin. We rightly say with the hymn writer, ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished.
When we sing these songs, like when I survey the wondrous cross, and you feel the weight of your sin, you are feeling a manifestation of grace in your spirit as the Lord is showing you the sin that is most definitely there, but most definitely covered by the blood that was shed. It's an act of grace that allows us to look at the cross for what the cross actually is. It is an act of grace that by his spirit we can cry out for mercy and forgiveness. It is by his grace that we can see the cross with the lifeless corpse of the Son of God nailed to it and to understand its purpose. Because on that day, there shall be a fountain opened for the house of David and the inhabitants of of Jerusalem to cleanse them from their sin and uncleanness. When the Apostle John saw the centurion's spear rip into his Savior's side. He saw that a fountain was opened up to cleanse the people from their sin and their uncleanness. And it was no coincidence that the two fluids that John saw pour out of Jesus' side are the two fluids that the Old Testament say are used to cleanse you of your sin and your iniquity. He saw blood and he saw water. When the people of Israel sinned, they would bring an animal to a priest to make a sacrifice. The priest would slit the animal's throat, drain out the blood, and throw the blood on the altar to make atonement for sins. In Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, it, the Lord says this, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement. The writer of the Hebrews catches it on this. Because he says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. And when Jesus' side is pierced, along with all the other blood that was shed as he was beaten, mocked, had a crown of thorns put on his head, and was brutally scourged by the Roman soldiers, that blood is the blood that makes atonement for our souls. When Jesus' side was pierced, he saw water. Water is a symbol of purity of cleanliness, both physical cleanliness and spiritual cleanliness. Because when the Lord is speaking to his people through the prophet Ezekiel, he tells them that he's going to give them a new heart. He's going to remove from them a heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. But you know what he also says? I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. Pure, clean, cleansing water came out of Christ's side when he was pierced. The water that came from him is the water that has been sprinkled and our iniquitous filth has been removed from our souls. And now that fountain that has been opened up 
for the house of David, for the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and for the whole world is now available for us to come to him by faith to have our sins forgiven and cleansed. It is this day of all days that we ought to see the sin that stains our souls, the sin that sent the Son of God to the cross so that we could have forgiveness. We ought to see it in the fact that it took the crucifixion of the Son of God to pay for our sins. Yet God did not reckon his Son too dear a price to pay for our iniquity and to forgive our sins. If you have not been to this fountain that has been opened up in our Savior's side, run to it. If you have not been to this fountain that has been opened up in our Savior's side in a long time because you're just holding back in your guilt and your shame, run to him. Say without delay, let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Save from wrath, and make me pure. Let's pray. Lord, you know the depth of our sin. You know the number of our transgressions. And if you were to number transgressions, who could stand before you? There is but one who had no transgressions, who kept the law, who fulfilled the law, and who died in our stead. And it is your beloved Son, whom you sent to die so that sinful people can be reconciled. You sent him so that we can be cleansed by his blood, so that we can be cleansed by the water that came from his side. Lord, humble us. Let us look on him who was pierced. And let us see that the wounds that he bears, he bears in our stead, as he bears our iniquities and our transgressions, so that we can have peace with you. Lord, humble us, yet assure us that our sins are forgiven, and that we can have confidence to come before you in the blood of Christ. And it's in his holy name that I pray. Amen.